BP Nation, what is up, guys? We are back on the podcast, and this week we have a special guest. This week we are sitting down with our good friend, Marilyn Kowalski. Now, Marilyn is the creator of the Stronger Body Project, and she's an online coach and educator for women. I don't want to get any further than that because Ash does a fantastic job of introducing Marilyn at the top of the episode and diving into who she is, what she does, and why she does it. So I want that to be your first exposure to who Marilyn is as an individual and what she's trying to accomplish. But we're extremely excited to share this conversation with you. We take some deep dives and some tangents that we don't typically talk about on this channel, such as bodybuilding. So it's an awesome episode. It's something new. It's something fun and exciting. And we're extremely excited to share Marilyn's knowledge and experience with all of you. So hopefully you can find at least one or two things to take away and apply to your individual health and fitness journey. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number, Ash, what episode number is this? 79. 79. I didn't know, so I had to <laughs> re, uh, phone a friend there. So anyway, uh, episode 79, we're here with a special guest. I'm going to let Ash introduce her and tell you a little bit about who she is, and uh, then we'll kick the conversation off from there. So Ash, take it away. Perfect. All righty. So Marilyn is here with us today. She is the creator of the Stronger Body Project. She's an online coach and educator for women who want to learn how to properly fuel their bodies, build lean muscle mass, and maintain long-term habits and results. She is heavily involved in the bodybuilding community and has done multiple bodybuilding and powerlifting meets herself. She has her master's in speech language pathology and is currently enrolled in the master's program for exercise science, dual degrees, and strength and conditioning and sports nutrition. Marilyn has a wealth of knowledge that we are so incredibly excited to share with all of you. And yeah, let's dive right into it. Anything on top of that, Marilyn? Uh, no, I think you pretty much explained my life story really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And I didn't even say, so we, we didn't officially meet at Pitt, but that's kind of how we knew of each yeah. other. Yeah. So I think from what I remember, we were both in charge. So, yes. right. Yeah. So changing health and actions and something I forget to recreate something I honestly forget, but it basically it was an organization that empowered women and girls in college to go try like new um, modes of exercise and sports and that sort of thing um, to promote a healthy lifestyle. So do you remember yes. what it was called? What the acronyms did? I don't, but want to know, I can't even believe I'm going to share this on here. <laughs> want to know, and I don't think I've ever told you this, Marilyn. <laughs> oh gosh, what? <laughs> Literally, you were one of those people. My face is turning I red love as I say this. Going. You were one of those people where when I met you, like when I saw you there, I was like, I want to be her friend. But then we never oh. connected. And then so after on Instagram, when we connected all these years later, I think you reached out to us randomly. I don't I think we were both starting our business at like similar times. And then when you reached out, I was like, yes, we're going to yeah. be friends finally. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. Actually, okay, so I never told you this, but um, I knew that you were into CrossFit and you were super jacked. Um, and I just remember I was like, there's no way she'd want to be friends with me. Like, I'm just this like skinny little girl. So that's actually hilarious that you said that. I had a really, you know, a lot of insecurities back then, but. Oh, Wait, yeah. when was this? Uh, 2013, maybe? Yeah. So, so undergrad. I wasn't, so you weren't even doing CrossFit. I wasn't doing CrossFit yet, no, but just with uh, diving, with strength and conditioning. Mm. Oh, really? So I always thought that you were doing CrossFit at that time. No, so, I didn't start in twenty until 2018. She didn't start till she met this guy. Yeah. No way. That's yeah. wild. But you were friends with a lot of the CrossFit people, weren't you? Like, Yeah. Okay, so maybe um, I just lumped you into that category. <laughs> so it's like CrossFit. Yeah. No, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But wow. well, well, per- I'm going to yeah. interrupt. When Marilyn said we were in charge, when she yeah. said that, I literally <laughs> immediately thought like like a leadership position. And then when she started explaining the acronym, I was like, oh, this is some university club. Like, this isn't actually. No, we were like- not in charge. <laughs> I mean, it. I thought we were pretty in charge. I'm kidding. <laughs> Nowhere near in charge. Yeah, that's funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, we are so excited to have you here. And basically, we just want to start with having you tell us a little bit about your background. Like, why, why fitness and nutrition? I know I mentioned in the intro kind of that shift from speech-language pathology, but... Why fitness and nutrition? So, you know, I don't have this like incredible life story, which, you know, brought me to fitness and nutrition or got me into it at all. But I think a lot of people can kind of relate to this. So when I was in high school, I started developing body image issues like many teen girls do. Um, I feel like it's even more common now just with the growth of social media and TikTok and comparison. But anyways, Um, I noticed I started gaining weight and I never really had a healthy diet growing up. Unfortunately, my parents kind of gave into our pleas for fast food and junk food. So we'd go get Domino's for dinner almost every night or Burger King or McDonald's for breakfast. And, you know, in the cafeteria in high school, I would always buy like French fries and a chicken patty and, uh, you know, three cookies. So I never ate a vegetable never really knew what vegetables were and never really had like a lot of um, exposure to that except through like Sunday dinners. I remember that was probably the healthiest dinner that we really had where we would just have like a chicken, um, you know, uh, it wasn't grilled, but it was like a breaded chicken breast with potatoes and like a cucumber salad or sometimes just like some greens. So it was very rare for me to eat healthy and I was gaining weight. I was looking very puffy and bloated and I saw it mostly in my face. Um, And I think, you know, at that young age, I didn't understand that, oh, making incremental small changes, including more vegetables and healthier foods and, you know, engaging in more frequent exercise would get me to manage that. I just kind of thought if I just stop eating, I'll be good to go. So I did a bunch of cleanses and diets. Um, I cut my calories by more than half, like I was aiming to eat 500 calories a day by my junior year of high school. And it was torture. Yeah, it was awful. I remember my stomach would growl during class. And that was like, the most anxiety triggering event for me, like whenever my stomach would growl, and I didn't think, oh, I'm hungry. I just thought, shut up, like stop growling, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so I also went vegan for three months in high school, 
just tried a lot of fad diets. I tried the Beyonce cleanse. Um, and then I decided I wanted to start like having really defined arms and toned arms just based off things that I saw in the media. So a big uh, reason for that. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I saw Terminator 2. And uh, what's her name? Oh my gosh. Sarah Connor. Yes. Her arms were so beautiful and jacked. And I was like, I want her arms. I want to look like Sarah Connor. Um, and so that I is started... amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard anyone say I want to look like Sarah Connor, but you're right. She was a bad bitch in that movie. Yeah. And looking back at it now, like she was pretty, you know, defined, but nowhere near like, you know, what I feel like I've accomplished through bodybuilding. Like, at, you know, I mean, right now I can't really say that I'm pretty jacked at the moment, but, um, you know, at my peak and everything, I put on even more muscle and, you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, I've definitely exceeded that. Um, you don't realize like when you're younger and you don't have a lot of exposure to bodybuilding, just like a woman who just has like nice tone arms looks jacked to you, right? Like, I don't know, it's it's so different. So I, I can't even imagine what people think of like bodybuilders. Like they're probably just so scared of them for some reason, cause it's not, it's not natural to walk around looking like that. Um, but anyways, not to get off topic. I wanted to look like Sarah Connor. So I started lifting weights at the local Y just started, um, lifting like those bicep machines and everything. And like, I didn't really do any free weights except at home. I had like 10 pound dumbbells and I would just do like 50 bicep curls and call it a day. Um, so, you know, I thought I was like on the right track and I started seeing a little bit of results, but really nothing crazy. Um, so anyways, I was a tennis athlete my whole life. And um, one of my tennis coaches senior year, I told him, I was like, I'm so worried that I'm going to gain weight in, in college because tennis is really what kept me slim. Um, you know, I would pr play all day long. And he also um, was a strength coach. So he ran me through like something like a CrossFit circuit one day. And I was just hooked after that. Like I was doing lunges with weights and kettlebell swings and shoulder presses and all this stuff. And I loved it. Uh, but when I got to college, I just lost my mind. I think a lot of it um, had to do with being homesick. And so I started running a lot just for stress relief and also to manage my weight. And I would just run like six miles every single morning. I, I don't know if you guys know where Squirrel Hill is in Pittsburgh, Yeah. but I would run all the way past Squirrel Hill, like the downtown area from campus to this environmental center that they have there. And I calculated the distance and it was like six miles there, uh, there and back, but total. Um, and I would just run fasted with like just coffee in my system, maybe, maybe a tangerine from uh, the dining hall. And then die. The goal, the rest, of, yeah, the, the rest of the day, the goal was just to eat like an apple um, and call it a day and not, you know, eat anything. So I was like severely depriving my body of nutrition. And if I went like three days without eating much, just having like two pieces of fruit a day, I considered myself a success. I felt so much pride in myself. And then the weekends were a different story. I would go out and, you know, have alcohol, then go to the dining hall and binge on food there, try to, you know, if this is a trigger for somebody listening, I'm sorry, but um, then I would try to regurgitate that. So it was bad. I was, you know, I don't think I was necessarily anorexic, but um, definitely had some eating disorder issues there. 
um, I realized how homesick I was and how sad I was. And that was a really big turning point for me. I remember I had um, a tennis match that weekend because I played on the recreational team at college. And um, I went home and I just remember breaking down in the car and I was like, I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. My parents didn't know what to do. They didn't realize the extent of the issue that I had. Um, so they didn't really address it after that. And honestly, like, I can't even like be mad at them for it. Like, I didn't reveal a lot of what was going on. And so when I got back to school, I decided I'm going to start to eat more and I'm just going to start lifting weights and, you know, focus on getting stronger. There was just that click in my head of like, um, I don't want to be skinny anymore. I want to feel like I'm taking care of my body and nourishing my body, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to eat. So I was still kind of engaging in the same habits just to a lesser degree. Um, it wasn't until, I know this is a long-winded story, so I apologize, no. but <laughs> it wasn't until I went to the Pete. The Pete okay. is our gym at Pitt. Um, and I decided, okay, I'm going to hop into the weightlifting section and I'm not going to be afraid of, you know, lifting weights. Super scary. I was shaking, like, when I was in the, the I guess, dumbbell area. And I always tried to stay near the mats instead of going near like the squat racks and the dumbbells. Um, but you know, I needed some equipment. So I'd have to go to the dumbbell area. And at that time <clears throat> it was only men, like only men were lifting weights. And I felt like I was doing everything wrong and I felt so stupid. And I would have my phone and I would look up videos, like tutorials on how to do everything. I would just like stick to that. And this guy came up to me at the gym um, after like the third time that I went and he was like, hey, I've seen you around. Like, have you ever thought about doing bodybuilding? Like, you're really lean. Like, you have, you know, a decent base of muscle, which was BS. I did not have, like, any muscle. I was just lean. And he's like, you have a really great base. Like, if we put on a little bit more muscle, like, you could do bikini or figure. And he showed me pictures of these competitors. And I was like, hell no. Like, those people look gross. Like, I don't want to look like that. Like, that's crazy. Um, and so, you know... I left and I just remember thinking about that encounter that night. And I was like, well, let me just like look up like what bodybuilding is. So I Googled it and something that really, really like made a big impact in my perspective on bodybuilding was the fact that there were all these diets online, these bodybuilding diets, and these people were eating triple the amount that I was eating. It was like chicken breast, rice, broccoli, you know, bro diet, but that was still more than I was eating. I was like, how are they that lean at the time? You know, I didn't know what lean really was. I didn't use that term. It was just like, how are they that fit? Um, and how are they that fit and can eat so much? And I'm like starving over here. So I started thinking there's a little bit of that, uh, validity to their process. And so um, the second time that I had this, I had another encounter with the same guy. He came up to me again. He's like, are you sure you don't want to do bodybuilding? And I was like, I know this guy kind of sounds like a little bit of a, a creep, but um, he came up to me again and he's like, um, are you sure you don't want to do bodybuilding? I was like, I don't know. And then he came up to me a third time, a third different encounter. This dude just and, wanted to go on a date. Uh, that's a whole different story. He did actually. <laughs> um, I'm not even kidding. And he was like almost 10 years older than me too. So it's just a bad situation, but um, you know, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I'm glad that he came up to me because I wouldn't have discovered bodybuilding otherwise. I mean, maybe I would have, but um, I'm glad that I got into it when I did. And um, 
after the third time, he's like, let me put you through a training day. You know, like, let's go train together. I'll be your coach. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, he did not end up being my coach because he wanted more. Uh, so <laughs> didn't work out, unfortunately. But I did go through a few training sessions with him and I was put through the ringer. Like I went through um, an insane leg workout. I had never done weighted leg exercises. And that was my first weighted leg exercise that I did. It was just incredible. I loved the feeling of having like heavy weight and doing more and feeling strong. And so that's what got me into bodybuilding. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty common story, but yeah, that's the long winded story. I just felt like that background was very necessary to, <laughs> to include. It's not like, absolutely. I honestly, I didn't know all of those things. That's super interesting. And I think, I think a lot of people probably can relate to that as well. I don't know about eating the two pieces of fruit. I literally, I don't know how you did that, but um, I was yeah, a savage. I have no idea either. I would die. <laughs> uh, I did have a question yeah. for you though. Yeah. With, because I have done bodybuilding as well. When you got into it, you had mentioned like you saw them, you thought, okay, that's gross, right? Like they're too lean, etc. And then when you research it on your own, the thing that caught your eye was like the amount of calories that they were taking in. Yeah. For you, for you to continue pursuing it, was it more about like being able to eat more and feel better, or was it more about like achieving that the physique as you like started understanding like how you could get there? It was a little bit of both, yeah, definitely both. Because after a while, I remember being really inspired by local competitors that I saw on Instagram. Because at the time, the Instagram algorithm showed you a lot of local people, and you could follow them not so much anymore. You don't really meet anyone except, you know, you only see like the big accounts now, but I remember seeing some local competitors and I was like, wow, like she looks so good. She looks so strong. Like I want to look like that. And I think this might feel, this is a weird thing that I've realized, but over the years I have realized that a lot of it was actually a defense mechanism to look like that because, um, I don't want to say I was bullied necessarily, but I didn't have an easy childhood. My brother bullied me a lot and I wasn't always accepted by friend groups growing up, unfortunately. Um, and so for me to look jacked and strong, like I wanted people to feel intimidated by me, which is ridiculous to look back at it now, but that was like 18 year old Marilyn. So huh. that's super weird, interesting. Right? <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's that weird though. Cause I think, even like from my experience in bodybuilding, that was something that I know myself and like all my, I trained with two other people. So my training partners and then even my coach, like we all love that feeling of, we knew when we walked in the gym and like, we were by no means the biggest kids like there, but we were to the point where like, you could tell we trained, you could tell we were like very regimented of what we were doing that when we were dieting, where we were extremely lean and we all like ate that shit up. We thought it was so cool that people thought we were, like huge dudes and that we are shredded. And okay. so I think it is something that like, I don't know. I think if you're a bodybuilder, like you got to let that feed your ego a little bit. Cause it does feel good when you're, that's what you're trying to do is compete in bodybuilding mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. For me, that's one of the things I really liked. I didn't let it get too far to my head. Like I definitely did a little too much, but <laughs> it like gave me some motivation too of like, okay, what I'm doing is working. Like it gave me some validation yeah. of like, okay, th clearly there are results because people are looking at me like I have seven heads. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have a question for you. Did you feel that whenever you started gaining weight, like in your off season, I mean, you're relatively lean. I feel like you don't really, um, like you maintain a really good level of leanness, but 
whenever you did gain weight, because obviously stage lean is so much leaner, did you feel like you received less compliments and did that kind of get to your head? Uh, I don't think I received less compliments, but it did definitely get to my head. Like, cause I, even now, like I really, I know that people don't give a shit if I have a six pack or not. Like people don't really care what I look like. I think they do, but they don't. And so even now, I think when I am not as lean as I could be, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm a little like, I need to get my shit dialed in. And so back then, it obviously, like you said, what you're on stage at is drastically different than what you can maintain, like in the off season or what even what you're like, you would never want to maintain that in the off season, like you're trying to gain weight, at least we always were. And so I mean, it was night and day difference. I, you know, just like you, I'm on stage at three, 3% body fat, let's say. And then the off season, I'm, I don't know, uh, 12% body fat. But to me, in my eyes, 12% body fat was like, holy shit, I'm chunky AF. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so that like, messed with my opposite. head. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I felt the same exact way. And I think that um, so many girls look up, looked up to me. Like, they were like, wow, like, how can I look like you? Like, you look so good. And so um, having that feeling, I think <laughs> this goes deep, but having that feeling of acceptance of like people, you know, liking me for something that really messed with my head. And it took me years to detach myself from that identity and find like real, real homies, you know, to keep on my side who didn't care what I looked like so much. Um, so yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. So you ba- like what you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong is you're basically putting your identity in like bodybuilding. Oh like, yeah. That was your so thing. Long. You're, you're the bodybuilding girl, right? Yep. That's yeah. what I was known for. Yeah. And people literally called me that. They're like, oh, that bodybuilding chick. You know, sorry if you can hear um, the lawnmowers outside. Can you hear that? Yeah, but you're good. It's not that bad. Okay. I could put like a sweatshirt over my head to like <laughs> mute it. No, you're, you're, you're all right. Uh, but I, I talk about the same thing with CrossFit. And it definitely happened in bodybuilding too. But CrossFit took over my life. Whereas bodybuilding was just like, okay, this is cool. Everybody knows me as the bodybuilder. And I was yeah. able to do well in like one show. But uh, yeah, the same thing happened with CrossFit. I put all my identity in that. And that's what everybody knew me as. Like the dude who did CrossFit, the coach, the like the nutrition guy, all that shit. And then, yeah, you, like you had mentioned, you do like lose yourself in that place. And then, yeah, you have no true connections or maybe maybe you have some connections, but they're not as deep as they should be. And you don't have like that inner circle of people. And Ash and I have talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was going to say too, it's like, I, I mean, I've seen people in CrossFit definitely get kind of swallowed up by that. Um, so yeah, I, I've seen that a lot. And I think that, um, I think as you get older, you start to develop like a greater sense of like who you actually are. And, you know, those things kind of matter less because I think when you're younger, you really cling to like you know your identity and i think i mean this is kind of spiritual in a sense but i think over time like letting go of your ego or like at least recognizing your ego and not letting it take over your life is really important um and realizing your flaws and everything like that and so for me it was like a big pill to swallow but the other thing too for me and you know we can get into this later but a huge wake-up call for me was when i got sick with SIBO and h pylori and mono. So that was in 2016. And so, um, you know, I lost a lot of my identity through that because I was forced to, that was traumatic for me, like actually traumatic. So when did you, when, what years were you like in competing in bodybuilding? 
So from 2012 to 2014, 2014 was the last time I did a show. And then 2014 to 2016, I decided to take some long off seasons, build some strength and like really good muscle. Um, but then I got sick in 2016 and I was supposed to compete in 2016, 2017. And um, I started a prep and my body just like would not do it. I was very weight loss resistant. And when I, even when I was losing weight, I didn't look even half as good as I did at that weight, you know, four years prior, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, I don't look like I improved at all. I just looked watery and very frail and, um, just thin. So yeah, I lost a lot of muscle. In those two years that you were competing, how many shows were you doing like per year? Um, so when I first competed in 2013, because 2012 like, was when I started competition prep, but 2013, I competed twice in that year. 2014, I was supposed to do two shows. I only ended up doing one. I actually quit the night before because um, I didn't feel ready. Um, and so I was doing like one to two shows. It really wasn't anything crazy. Um, I feel like my career got cut short when I got sick. And I think, yeah, that's like the most devastating part to me. But I know that when I do compete again, hopefully next year, um, I'll probably do multiple shows. Like I'm thinking like two to three shows, but any more than that just feels like a waste of time to me, honestly. Cause I just want to know what do I need to improve on? Let's get back to building. Cause that's the fun part for me. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most folks that I run into, that's what they were doing as well. Like back in the day, we were all doing one to like really just one to two shows per year. And for me, I was the same way as what you had just mentioned. I was such a lean guy in the off season that all I cared about was like getting back to the off season to try to get bigger. Cause I was yeah. always one of the smaller dudes in my weight class. And so, um, you're right. Like the off season is the fun part. I always tell everyone like bodybuilding, at least in my experience, I hated show prep. Like I hated every single day of it. I only liked the, you know, the brief amount of time that you were on the stage. And then the rest of that time it was like, I can't wait to get back to the off season. I can't wait to, you know, quote unquote bulk and, and do all of that. I mean, but because you don't feel, and maybe you can attest to this, like, at least this is my experience. I never felt good. Like when I was on like leading up to a show or show prep or even on stage, like I felt really lean and I looked really good, but yeah. I felt like shit, <laughs> you know, like you're depleted of all your nutrients. You're dehydrated. Like it's just a lot of work. Yes. So I think my perspective has shifted over time because I actually was never like that. I didn't want to bulk. I was like, screw bulking. Like I want to stay lean all year round, especially because there were some people in the industry who were, um, come to find out, you know, now they are not that, that way anymore. I think that was just all for an image and they were going through their own crap too. But yeah, for the longest time, I, I just wanted to get back on stage, get back on stage. Like, and I definitely wasn't ready for my 2014 prep definitely did not have enough muscle. I won my show, which was great because I came in lean enough, but looking at the pros, um, I would not have st stood a chance against them. I would have been like last call outs and that would have been a big like hit to my gut. Like that would have really sucked. Um, so I'm glad that I, you know, that all of these things started happening where I got sick and it really taught me to appreciate my body and it's homeostatic state. Um, so yeah, like now I'm much I, I mean, you see my Instagram, like I always talk about spending more time in um, at maintenance or above maintenance rather than, you know, dieting, like dieting should be a very small part of your year if you even do it, you know, in a year. So yeah, I, 
I appreciate that now, but I do like prep. <laughs> so I can't relate to that. I'm, I have mixed feelings about prep. It sucks, but when you start gaining that momentum and when you start seeing like daily changes, like you wake up a little bit leaner and see a new vein here, that is like so motivating for me. I don't know why. I just love the look of like being freaking vascular. So yeah, yeah. that is that you're right. That that part is awesome. And I don't know if <laughs> I just I can't relate right now. Like, I know Ash is probably I'm sitting like, here thinking, what? "What is going on?" I think it's so interesting. I literally it blows my mind. But I don't know. I don't know if I could get into that headspace. But what Marilyn just said is a perfect point, though, because I think that is what gets people hooked on it is when you do start to see the ball moving and you're like, holy shit, I have three more striations in my shoulder this morning, you know, like something <laughs> ridiculous like that. As ridiculous as that sounds, it's 100 percent true. And it does get you hooked on like, wow, like that adjustment of, you know, X macronutrient or increasing my water intake or messing with my sodium, like it worked. Now I'm going to do the next thing and it's going to work. <laughs> exactly. It's like buy-in almost. Like once you're bought into it, you're just like, all right, I'm willing to do everything. And that's actually like when my habits really kick into gear. It's like, if I wasn't getting enough sleep here and there, or if I wasn't staying as hydrated during the day at that point, like it's almost an overnight shift. It's like, I'm on top of everything. Everything's perfect. And it does so much for your confidence too, because it, it takes your mind to a place where you never thought you could go like behavior wise too. So it's really, really fun. You just feel like you're on a high of like health and living your life like in this healthy space. I don't know, even though it's not healthy technically, but. Right. It's just, I think what it is, is you're so dialed in, right? Like you would just yeah. mention, like your habits are so on point because you're seeing these changes and then you know, like, okay, if I deviate from this, like I could potentially lose like these, one these gains that I already made. Yeah. Once for I could lose one vein in my arm and then, well, what the hell was all this for? <laughs> but right. it was literally that like, Ash, I know you can't relate, but it was like that. Like every little bit of adaptation that you saw just got you so fired up. No, I, and I think I get that. I think where my mind goes is like what I would I think I could do that part I think I would stink at like eating less food and being hungry oh uh, you would be so mean but I yeah. <laughs> what I think I would struggle most with is after the show like how do you deal with gaining more weight and and creating more sustainable habits while still like because I know with me when I did WAG and I was like the leanest that I'll probably ever be, I still look back at those pictures. I'm like, oh, like right now with wedding prep, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be that lean, but it's not happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. Marilyn, do you <laughs> want to talk about that a little bit? Like post-show, yeah. what you go through, the changes in your body that you see and like how you mentally cope with that? Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, you know as I've said before, my perspective on this whole topic has shifted so much. So I feel like now I'd be able to handle post-show a lot better just because I have a greater appreciation for building muscle and for being in a healthy place because of everything that my body has been through. And I think the more experience you have, the better you get at appreciating that and accepting a little bit of fat gain because fat gain is going to be inevitable. You don't walk around stage lean. Um, as you've probably heard, it's not sustainable. And so I think a lot of people, um, you know, as we mentioned before, we were talking about how people give you compliments and like you get a lot of attention for your body 
and um, you know that that external pressure, and then also your internal pressure of like I need to stay lean, um, that can often fight against how well you do post show. Because if you're clinging to this idea of staying lean, you're gonna have a really really bad post show experience because that's not your reality. You're going to have to put on a little bit of weight. Sometimes you even have a little bit of an overshoot, but that eventually kind of stabilizes. Um, so like gaining more weight than you maybe started at, um, but eventually, you know, that's not for everybody, but eventually your weight will kind of stabilize. Um, so there's two ways that people typically handle post-show, objectively speaking. So reverse dieting is really popular. Um, I think reverse dieting is better for people who don't do shows because shows take like they're so taxing on your body it's better to get your calories up a little bit quicker so um getting your calories up a little bit quicker and taking more aggressive jumps and bringing them up to maintenance quicker uh is called the recovery diet that's been that term has been coined recently um and i prefer that way of doing things i think that if i were to do a show next year i'd want to go through that um, because when you're trying to stay as lean as possible after a show and minimize fat gain, you're just prolonging those hormonal adaptations. So, you know, uh, ghrelin is elevated, like you're starving. Um, you know, you're probably going to have a lot of mood swings because there's a lot that goes on uh, hormonally. Um, so that's going to also probably throw you off track. So just being okay with accepting, you know, being okay with weight gain is going to be really, really important. Um, but it's hard. It's hard for, especially like if it's your first show and especially if you're coming in with a lot of mental baggage, which I don't recommend, don't compete if you have mental baggage. It's the dumbest thing you could do because like, I mean, it's, it's like any sort of, um, it's like a coping mechanism. A lot of people use prep to cope with emotions and to put them in this like I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's just a coping mechanism, a control mechanism. And so once you stop losing that control after your show, or once you stop getting those positive so-called results, um, it depends on how you see it. But for most people, they, that exasperate, exasperates, is that a word? Exasperates That's it. <laughs> a lot of issues um, that are underlying. So highly recommend, you know, working with a good coach, getting mental help, you know, seeking help of a therapist, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's different for everybody though. What do you think, Derek? Well, so in my first show, we literally, like we had a coach leading up to it. This dude was uh, NPC pro, like very, very large human being, like knew what he was doing. At least we thought he did. And looking back, he definitely did. But, um, you know, he he did all the, he helped us with all the prep and, and coached us through that. But then when the show ended, there was really no guidance. It was just kind of like, hell yeah, dude, like you won your weight class. Like you're a fucking savage. Okay. Now, uh, like just go back, you know, like it kind of dropped off the, the face of the earth. It was just like, okay, go back to what you were doing prior to prep. Oh. And my roommate and I both, I'll never forget this. We, after that show, we binged like nobody has binged before. And obviously that is not the way to go, but we ate so much food that, I thought I was going to be sick. And then as soon as I felt like I could get a little more in me, I ate again. And yeah. by the next morning, I was 25 pounds heavier than what I was on stage. <gasps> oh, yeah. my gosh. It was insane. That's a big, yeah. So Connor, um, after his first show, he also binged. And he ended up throwing up because he was so stuffed. Um, so, yeah. And I, I also binged after my first show. I had, like, 
I binge on the worst stuff, sushi. I binged on sushi. Ew. Like Ew. you don't want to be binging on like fish and not even that. It wasn't like high quality sushi. It was like University of Pittsburgh dining hall sushi or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Bad call. Bad call. And I was like a whale in my bed. My stomach was protruding. I thought it was going to explode. And by the way, your stomach can apparently puncture. Rupture, yes. Rupture. Yeah. That's the word. Um, so scary and that was like going through my mind the whole time i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god i can't like breathe too deeply because then it'll rupture um so yeah oh bad been there been there it was bad it was Rough. really bad i've told her that story before and she like can't fathom and, and i just explained like imagine going from completely dehydrated depleted no sodium in your entire system to then eating probably what was like over five probably over ten thousand milligrams of sodium you know like probably hundreds and hundreds of carbohydrates all of that fat it just your body just just soaks it all up yeah oh you look like really good i mean i felt like after um after my first show after a few days like i looked pretty vascular and big big but um i ended up just like putting on fat really quickly after that because it was like so much food um that I had eaten way above maintenance at that point. And, um, you know, I started gaining fat pretty quickly after my first show, my, my third show where I won my, my pro card, I definitely handled things better. Um, but I still had like occasional binges here and there, but they weren't like half as bad. I gave myself a grace period after my show, just to have a normal sized meal, um, and kind of control my intake a little bit more the, the following days. And I was really proud of myself for that. So yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I don't even think I would have the willpower to do that if I did another show. But uh, yeah, because I just remember I was so I was just so mentally consumed by eating food. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to eat food because I was so depleted, like yeah. leading into the show. And so yeah, I don't even think if I had someone saying, "Okay, now we're going to progressively increase your caloric intake," I probably would have just been like, "Dude." I need to eat a couple large pizzas first. Like I need yeah. to eat like an entire Subway restaurant before we start. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember we had a dozen donuts one time. I, I used to work at Duckin' Donuts on campus and my manager made me like custom donuts. So me and Connor, we split a dozen donuts together and that was like awful. That was so uh, <laughs> so I don't much even... sugar. <laughs> yeah. And like now having all these gut issues that I'm healing from, it's actually crazy to look back because it's like your gut is so vulnerable after a show or any diet because you're not really eating much. So the the food quality really matters. So when you're like introducing fried food, sugary food, fatty food, like all this you know crap into your body, that is actually a big cause of a lot of gut issues that people experience after shows too. So okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you can go. I was going to ask you, what did, what did you eat leading into the show or even backstage to make sure that like you were vascular, that you looked full, that like you were looking yeah. the way you wanted to look prior to walking out on stage? So I, from what I remember in, 2000, in 2014, I had a sub. So high in sodium, um, a little bit of like fat and carbs. Um, so that was about like I think two or three hours before stepping on stage. I don't know if I would do that again. Um, I think there's like so many different peaking strategies out there now. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like the sub was a little uncontrolled in a way. Like it was just so random. It's like, Oh, just get a six inch sub. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that's pretty much it. That's what I was told to do. So, um, 
I just would have, I wish I would have heard more about, you know, why, why would I have done that? But what about you? Oh, that you'll love this. So again, like oh we were pretty similar. Like there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just kind of like, Hey, this is what you do from, from this guy who was our, our coach. And, uh, so we went on like this, it started about 24 hours prior to the show. We went on like this kick and it was like every two hours, it was like a very specific amount of, uh, protein and then a very specific amount of sweet potatoes. And he like had this concept of like, okay, like we're going to start like re- reintroducing like glucose into your system and like start to fill up those glycogen stores. And I was like, okay, you know, cause I'm an exercise science undergrad at the time. I'm like, that makes sense. Like, sure. Right. And sweet potato. <laughs> yeah. And then, so we did that for, I forget how many hours. And then backstage he was like, all right, you need to be eating, uh, as much like sugar as you can get and like in these two servings so he basically gave us like he was like take two rice cakes and i want you to put like whatever you want to put on top of them that has sugar and we were like okay it like whatever you're you know we made it this far with you we'll (laughs) we'll just keep going (laughs) and i remember i ate two rice cakes each one had like literally like an inch layer of marshmallow fluff like sprinkles and like caramel syrup and i just crushed both of those about 30 minutes before I went on stage. And I mean, it, I don't know if it worked or if I just was already where I needed to be, but I looked good. I mean, I did well in the show, but I have no idea why that's what we were doing or if there's any yeah. science behind that whatsoever. Yeah. So Connor, I think, I, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I'm pretty sure he started carb loading a few days prior because I just don't know, like you said, like, I mean, I think you can get like pretty vascular. Like if you, if you're lean and you eat like a freaking rice cake, you start to see quite a bit of a pump. Like, I mean, you know, shortly after that, but I think carb loading fills you out, you know, a few days prior, a little bit more effectively. Um, because I see a lot of people look better after their show once they've like fully, you know, enjoyed their meal. And it's like, wow, if they stepped on stage like that, whew, it would have blown it away, you know? I'm probably you probably see that between prejudging and like the actual show too, right? I've seen that before where dudes look flat and deflated and just like they don't look any good in the morning and then they go home and they eat, you know, whatever it is in between shows because they're like, All right, I got through the part that matters and then they look way better in the evening. Right. Yeah. Crazy. How low are your carbs leading up to this show and for how long? Or does that just depend? Take it away, Marilyn. Definitely depends on the person, I would say. Because um, I know Connor, whew, I mean, I, th- I think at some point he was eating like 100 grams of carbs, which is super low for a guy. Oh, my gosh, especially of his size. Um, so it really just depends on each person. And I mean, it's like the same thing as dieting, right? Like if you give someone a diet or macros, it's not going to look the same from person to person. It's going to depend on you know so many factors. So the same thing goes for yeah bodybuilding especially in those last few and weeks. how long are the like are is the prep it that's dependent too on the individual Uh-oh. like so at least in my experience i was a lot leaner than my two training partners so i was sitting at like you know they estimated like 10 to 12 percent body fat in the off season whereas my training partners were at like 18-ish percent so they had a lot more fat on them so they started weeks and weeks ahead of time whereas i only I only prepped for 10 weeks. My roommate, I think, prepped for 24 weeks. Oh, right. Like, it just, so it really depends on the individual. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And then also, like, you have to consider rate of loss, too. Like, you can go a little bit more aggressive, but 
the chances of rebounding after a very aggressive and long cut are much higher. Um, and also the chances of like having less adherence increase as well, because if you're losing at a higher rate, it's going to be a lot more stressful on your body and you're going to be starving because that's such a big, a drastic difference, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it all depends. Um, I like to go the slow route for bodybuilding shows. So I'll give myself like ample time, probably six months, honestly, and <laughs> just go like the slow route. Um, yeah. Unless I'm like 10 pounds away from stage weight, then I'll do like 12 week cut or something like that, you know, but I'm not 10 pounds away from stage weight. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you determine what that stage weight is, like what that goal is? Or is that just from experience? I would say experience. It's so hard. Like, even if you get a DEXA scan, that's like not really going to determine how ready you're going to look. You know what I mean? Because like how you store fat matters too. So you could be like 12% body fat, but if you're storing it in your abdominal region, you know, like you're probably not going to look good on stage. So really it's crazy. It doesn't really come down to the body fat percentage. It's not like a body fat percentage contest. It's a physique sport contest. So like, what do you look like on stage? The judges aren't going to be asking what your DEXA scan results are. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's definitely different for person to person. That's super interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, I would say, like, hydration is also a huge thing, right? That's why the DEX isn't going to necessarily help you, like, because I know guys that maybe had a lower body fat percentage than me, but they screwed something up with their water intake or maybe, you know, they tried to take a diuretic and something went wrong or it could be a number of different things. And then if you have more, if you're retaining more water, it doesn't matter how low your body fat percentage is, you're not going to see the vascularity. You're not going to see the striations because you're carrying that water. Okay. Yeah. It's also like it it comes down to such a science. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big science behind it um, for sure. And I think that a lot of people just kind of go off like cookie cutter plans and everything like what they heard so-and-so say on Instagram or whatever, but that's like life and death. Like if you're like, (laughs) if, if you have extreme fluctuations in water and sodium and all these things, like you could actually put yourself in the hospital. Like it's not, it should not be careless at all. You should be looking at the science behind it all. Um, but also I wanted to say really quick, I've been saying Connor a lot and I don't think I introduced who Connor is in case someone's like listening to this podcast and wondering Connor is my fiance. So I just wanted to, that was like bugging me. So I wanted to say that. (laughs) No, that's, that's good. I was going to say, I don't think we said that either. I don't even think I knew, but I figured, I figured it out after you said his name like two or three times. I was like, all right, I know who we're talking about now. I know you said that you want to compete hopefully next year. Does he still compete at all? Or is he planning Uh, on? So he took a little bit of a break from just bodybuilding in general. Like, I think we both kind of went through a lot with moving so much. And then he was uh, not between jobs, but he was in a job he really didn't like with a financial uh, company that just worked him like to the bone. Basically, he was getting off work at like 9, 10 p.m. and starting work even earlier um, at like 8 a.m. And, you know, the only time he really had for himself was the two hours before work. And even then, like, he didn't have time to go to the gym because he just had to prepare for the day. He had emails from last night to catch up on that sort of thing. So he, you know, for a few weeks fell out of it, but his passion for it has reignited because he's in a much better job now that he loves. 
And um, yeah, he plans on competing in the future, but yeah, he hasn't competed since 2017. Okay. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you guys, especially like with how, how far you've come with just like accepting your body and like wanting, like building that muscle. And now we'll talk a little bit about just like gut health, like you're going to accomplish like incredible things. It's so exciting. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited. I feel like it's been a long time coming just from being in such a, I mean, I don't want to say it's, it's been a bad place, but it's definitely been suboptimal. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that um, for so long and going through a lot of like health issues that I didn't understand why they were happening to me and what the root cause was. Yeah. So that's, I wanted to kind of dive into that next is, like what is like what does present day look like for you right now um with your gut health yeah so um do you want me to give the backstory to what happened okay because maybe there's somebody who can relate to this and is experiencing similar symptoms so in 2016 well 2015 I got sick and I didn't know what was going on with me I was sick every other weekend fevers chills just terrible terrible sickness. Um, Sounds a lot like mono, right? (laughs) It was mono. But when I went to the Pitt Student Health Center, they they did run a mono test on me. It came back negative because it was so early in the conception of it or yeah, conception of the mono that it uh, gave off a false negative. So uh, the doctors thought that I had some sort of infection and they prescribed me antibiotics and it wasn't helping. Like the first course was a whole month, didn't help. I was still like so sick all the time. In fact, like I was getting worse. And so then they prescribed me a second course, just saying that, oh, that was just a weaker, you know, dose of antibiotics. Here's a better form or dose or whatever. Still no improvement. And then finally they prescribed me a third one. They're like, if this doesn't work, we don't know what's going on with you. So they gave me that. It didn't help at all. But by that point I had graduated. It was like, February, March, April, right? Like, so I was just exhausted. And um, basically what ended up happening was um, I started having heartburn, like really severe heartburn and fatigue from the mono, but also from, you know, probably having some gut issues on top of that from the antibiotics. And at this point, I still didn't know I had mono. And I was just really, really tired all the time. I was napping throughout the day, something that I never did. I hated naps, but like I couldn't even get out of bed some days. I had put on quite a bit of weight, something that was like really uncomfortable for my frame. So about 15 pounds over what I could normally maintain. Uh, My skin was breaking out. I just looked like very pale all the time in my eyes. Uh, My skin was, or not my skin, (laughs) my skin was falling out. Uh, My hair was falling out (laughs) in my head, Um, had trouble sleeping had irregular periods, a lot of things were happening. And I went to doctors and no one could really figure out what was going on. I started getting a clue for what was happening when I saw a doctor in Florida and he said that I had mono, but that was, that was pretty much it. He didn't tell me anything else that I had mono. And so from there I started, you know, associating all my symptoms with mono, but I was like, but why am I getting heartburn? Um, Fast forward years later, because I saw so many doctors in between and no one could figure out what was going on. Lots of money was, you know, blown on doctors and testing. I finally um, started um, 
kind of looking more into my symptoms and I saw Courtney King, she's a bodybuilder actually. And she had something called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which means that you basically have bacteria growing in your small intestine where it shouldn't be growing. So there's an overgrowth of bacteria in your small intestine. So when you eat food, um, that bacteria will release methane or hydrogen sometimes. And so that can um, show up as heartburn, diarrhea, constipation, uh, gas, just a lot of bloating too, because that gas can get trapped in your gut. So then you have actual bloating, <laughs> like your stomach is like protruding. Um, so I was experiencing quite a bit of all those symptoms, mostly the heartburn. And um, that's really when I started looking into it. And I found Lacey Dunn. She's a registered dietitian. Maybe you know her, her Instagram's Faith and Fit. And her page was filled with all these symptoms and um, diagnoses that I was like, wow, I could have any of these because I have all these symptoms. So I started working with her and we found out that I do have SIBO, two types, hydrogen and methane dominant. Um, I have H. pylori, I have really low secretory IgA and a few other overgrowths, but luckily they can all be taken care of because we've pretty much identified the root cause, which was years ago having the antibiotics, which just threw my gut through a loop. So all of this was discovered recently, probably two months ago. So I actually started the aggressive portion of treatment last Wednesday, but um, because I have these issues and because treatment is so aggressive on the body, I've had to lower my training volume and this will go for like anyone with a chronic illness or um, if they have like, you know, messed up cortisol levels or anything like that. Um, reducing training volume and intensity is going to be key. So I have had to do that, which is honestly kind of sucks because I love training so much um, and just changing my diet slightly and just doing a lot of stress management. So that's kind of what my daily life looks like right now. A lot of focus is on healing, um, reducing stress, in all forms, career stress, relationship stress, everything. Um, so that that's kind of what's going on. And all my focus right now is just like on my clients. Like even just marketing myself is a struggle right now because it's just so much on my body. Um, I'm just trying to reduce all that stress. So yeah, all my work goes towards my clients, all my attention and school. So that's kind of where my life is right now with the gut issues. Okay. No, that's, that's super informative do you feel like I know it's still really early on but do you are you noticing any differences yet yeah so the biggest thing that I've noticed so far is um my sleep has improved a lot but I think it's just because the antibiotics that I'm taking and all the um the herbal medicines that I'm taking it's so aggressive on my body that my body is like yo we need to sleep let's go like we need to recover from this because I just get really tired now like when 12 p.m hits I start getting really groggy um so sleep has improved um bathroom stuff has improved <laughs> no more heartburn that was a big one um I still get it occasionally if I eat like something sweet because obviously I have to have balance. So if I have like a slice of cake or something like for mother's day, we had cake. Um, I had a little bit of heartburn, but it was so much more managed than it ever was. So I am seeing improvements and I should start to see even more drastic improvements in about two weeks and in about eight to 11 weeks, this should all be a thing of the past. Um, if we have correctly identified the underlying issue, but if we haven't, like if there's something off with cortisol or there's some other, like, you know, mold toxicity is another root cause of gut issues. Um, if any of those things are still occurring, then 
Um, I may not be so lucky, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be on a good path. I'm already starting to see some results. That's awesome. That's super exciting. Now, do you have any advice? I know you said like you spend so much money on just like finding doctors. Um, I know a few people in my life currently like going through similar things. And do you have any advice for people that are like, oh, maybe I like the conventional doctor isn't necessarily what I should be going to. I know you said you saw it from the bodybuilder, but any advice for people that think Mm -hmm. they might need something different? Yeah, for sure. So research what you think you might have. Um, Understand why some symptoms may appear. So I'll give you a personal example. Heartburn. A lot of people think that heartburn is caused by too much acid, like stomach acid because when you have heartburn, it burns like your esophagus, right? Like it just has that burning feeling in your chest. But oftentimes heartburn, it's not necessarily an indicator of low stomach acid, but it's more likely than high stomach acid because stomach acid is important to, you know, for digestion of food, right? If we don't have stomach acid, we can't digest our food properly. And that's when we get regurgitation. So when I went to a GI doctor and he told me that I needed to go on acid reducing medicine, I knew in my gut from just what I read, I was like, that's not, that's not going to do anything. That's a band-aid. That's going to reduce the acidity of the food and maybe reduce the burning, but the regurgitation is still going to be there. Um, I just know that deep down. And I'm glad that I didn't listen to him because he was really pushy about it. So advocating for yourself, understanding why you might be having certain symptoms is going to be really big in that because then you can kind of see if like a doctor is just putting a band-aid over those symptoms or if he's getting to the root cause ask your doctor, what's the root cause of this symptom? If he doesn't have an answer for you or any suggestions as to why it may be, and none of the treatment he's giving you is dealing with that root cause, see somebody else. And that's why I love functional medicine. But um, I know there's a lot of wackos out there. So Lacey, she's trained in conventional medicine. She's a registered dietitian and functional medicine. So she's the best of both worlds. And she keeps a really good balance between that. So finding someone who has a good balance um, and has their crap together (laughs) is really important and you're more likely to find these people on social media and uh, look at their testimonials she has so many testimonials and she always shares like lab reports she's not um sneaky about it like she doesn't try to hide it she's very open so that that really gained my trust and um actually connor also worked with her because he was having gut issues as well and he's completely resolved he didn't have anything like as bad as i did but um he had a few other things going on and uh, some liver issues. And yeah, he's like, he had back acne for years, totally resolved now, incredible results. Yeah. So wow, I didn't know that he was working with her too. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, no longer because he doesn't need her anymore. Um, But you know, if anything should crop up in the future, I know he's going to go straight to her with those types of issues because um, she is such an advocate for like root cause issues, you know? So um, absolutely. Yeah. Highly suggest seeking the root cause and finding a doctor who will help you identify that and treat the root cause. Yeah. I Maybe love I should have gone to her when I was having all those issues. I know. I, I, you still might. No. <laughs> Did, have you told her about that? I don't think so. No. So you'll, you'll get a kick out of this because I think it's just like mind boggling. For the last probably like 18 months, sporadically... I would feel like I was going to puke. Like I would just get nauseous. 
Ooh, and like multiple times a week. He sang sporadically, I think, like but it, once it, every while. It got more. It got more progressive. So it started out, and it was like once in a blue moon, I would feel nauseous, and I thought it was oh maybe I like didn't eat, like I should have eaten in the morning when I didn't, or something like that, or maybe I didn't eat and then had pre workout, so my my stomach just didn't like it, something like that. Yeah. Uh, then it started happening more uh consistently and it started happening at random times throughout the day not just in the morning like it had been and then it got to the point where just a few weeks ago i mean if i wasn't eating every three hours i would dry heave or i would puke and we were like okay this is not normal for like a perfectly healthy 30 year old male and so i i was like i don't know what's wrong as long as i eat every three hours i feel fine uh, but if I if I go longer than that, I get sick. And uh, eventually I went and got blood work done. I got a blood panel done. Comes back. Uh, I have, I'm trying to think what was elevated. My creatinine was significantly elevated. My B, BUN or BUN was significantly elevated. My uh, lipase was elevated. And so we sent it to our friend Danielle and we were like, hey, like these are elevated. Is this serious? And she's like, yeah, like you're like because the doctor said it might be your kidneys like failing right right so i was like okay well that's not good and then danielle was like yeah it could be your pancreas and like that shit will fuck you up those are her exact words i'm like okay uh well what should i do and she said you know did you train aggressively beforehand like at high intensities because that can elevate creatinine and so i took four days off and didn't do any exercise, didn't take well, any... You, ha- you got food poisoning. Well, you that's were true. forced. <laughs> I did get food poisoning, like legitimate food poisoning. And oh. so that led into three more days off. And I thought, okay, now's the best time. My system's completely empty. <laughs> like I am fully rested and recovered. So I got another test, blood panel done. Everything came back normal. And oh. so I was like, okay, so, but why am I still like feeling nauseous and wanting to puke? And then I heard Kelly Starrett on a recent podcast that he had, and he was explaining that he got the hiccups for 12 days straight. And like he literally, he couldn't stop. (laughs) Like I would literally die. So he couldn't stop hiccuping. And after like two weeks of that, he was like, okay, something is like seriously wrong. So he had been seeing a doctor during that time. And I don't remember how he came to this diagnosis or how they figured out, but eventually he found out that he was, drinking too much coffee and drinking too much carbonated water and and so i was like oh that's really interesting like i don't drink a ton of coffee but i drink a shit ton of like soda water and by a shit ton i mean like that's all i drink my dad's the same and so i was like screw it i'm getting sick every day like i'm just gonna cut coffee and soda water out of my diet for a week and see what happens I haven't drank it since and I haven't gotten sick since. Wow. So it's the soda water, you think, and the coffee. I don't know. I don't know. You see, what were you going to say, Ash? You were about I just to think it. it's mind-blowing. I'm only, like, I mean, your sister, she's in PA school. She sent us something, like, literally that day that her professor was talking about how carbonated water it shouldn't if it's make more up than 50 percent of your daily water intake it can like progress over time it can change your systemic ph yeah of like your stomach acid or something i don't know i didn't That's- read the whole thing she sent me yeah well i was gonna say nausea if you're still experiencing nausea i would definitely talk to Lacey because nausea 
and that dry heavingness, I don't, well, I don't know if dry heaving is a symptom of this, but that is a sign. Well, that's one of the symptoms of H. pylori. So an H. pylori is very common. I think over 60% of the population has it like as an overgrowth um, because we all have it in our bodies, but when it's like overgrown a bit, that's when it can, you know, some people present with symptoms. And even if you don't present with symptoms, it could still be there and cause like other chaos in your body. Like it could be making you more susceptible to like stress and recover, like poor recovery, that sort of thing. I don't know. Might be worth looking at. I yeah. take gut issues very seriously. <laughs> yeah, but we were, it, and maybe I will look into that too, but it was just so interesting that just out of pure, like, just pure luck of cutting that stuff out that it that it fixed everything because I'm not experiencing the notch anymore or anything like that. It's just so interesting. Maybe your pH did change. I, I mean, how can we get your blood pH tested? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Well, now it's too late. Now it's like I would yeah. have to start just chugging soda water again to get to get yeah. back to where I was, which I don't want to do. Dang. You see, even if I told that to my dad, he would still be like, I don't care. Like he just... <laughs> well, only drink soda water. I would say the same thing to you if you told me that before I had gotten sick, because that's all I drank for years. I mean, I'm talking like probably five years. If I drank flat water during the day, like it's because I went to a restaurant and forgot <laughs> and forgot to ask for soda water. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're better though. That's crazy. Dang. We're both. I'm. I'm. On, I'm recovered. You're on the men's. Like it's all good. We're, and we're saving money from less soda water. <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah that that stuff's expensive you could have gotten one of those like machines though but i won't tempt you <laughs> no we used to have one of those it's not the same yeah i bet yeah it's, not. it's like the equivalent of like drinking a coke out of a can versus getting it out of the fountain like what do you like difference. better well i don't yeah. really like coke i just use that as an example but yeah. i like out of the fountain way better for any soda versus out of the can I like both, but I do agree. There's something about it out of the fountain that just like so much better, especially with like a lot of ice at like a movie theater or something. Yes. Oh my God. Me and Connor, we would get like an extra large when we were dieting um, for our show. We would get an extra large Diet Coke and just like share that and just like refill it with like ice. And yeah, it was bad. <laughs> we had to pee so many times during the movie, but it was worth it. <laughs> my, uh, my best friend to this day will tell you that his favorite drink in the world is a large Coke from the McDonald's fountain. Like it has to be from wow. McDonald's and it has to be from the fountain. That's his favorite drink. So specific. So specific. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if McDonald's like puts extra sugar in there or something to like. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's too funny. All right. We're on a tangent here. Yeah. You want to get us back on track? Honestly, I don't <laughs> think like there's too much more. I just that I was had written down just like plans for the future. But I think we talked a little bit about that with. Uh, you and Connor possibly prepping for a show in the future. And I guess just probably the main priority for you right now is getting like your gut in a good place. Anything else for the future? Um, Not really. I mean, we're moving to Georgia soon. So, I mean, that's more personal future stuff. But um, I yeah, did have nothing... a question. You are you're working with a client right now for like prepping for a bodybuilding, correct? Yeah. Two actually. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Very exciting. Was I that think... your question or are you following up? 
No, that was my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's very different because I don't treat my bodybuilding clients like my lifestyle clients because the level of detail that's required in bodybuilding, like you need to be 100% adherent. You need everything tracked, even your, uh, you know, your off days. Like if you're out eating or whatever, like if you're not at home, like days that are not in your control, you need to be on track. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot, I don't want to say harsh, but like people need to know what they're in for. There can't be, it, it, there's no guesswork or else we're not going to see results. And I think a lot of people don't expect that when they go into it. So for sure. Do you enjoy coaching them more than lifestyle? Like, do you have a favorite now that you've been, been dabbling in both? I like both. I like, I can't pick a favorite because a lot of the bodybuilders, so like bodybuilders, they come in with already kind of a developed mindset for the most part. Um, if they don't, then I don't take them as clients for bodybuilding. So there is reward in that, but they're, I don't want to say they're easier, but they're definitely more like data oriented. They're like, they follow their macros to a T for the most part. There's not much discussion there. Um, but a lot of the lifestyle clients that come to me had a poor relationship with food before, or were really, really skinny or um, deprived of nutrients, didn't know how to fuel their body, didn't know how to work out effectively. And so when I get them, like after the first month, a lot of them start seeing like a lot more, you know, positive results. So better energy, they fit better in their clothes, even though, you know, they're eating more. So seeing the mental transformation with those clients is like very heartwarming. And I love that about that, but there's pros and cons to both. It's cool because I'm very data oriented. So it's cool to see like the bodybuilders progress, but then it's also cool to like have those heartwarming, uh, touching moments. Cause I know what it was like, uh, for myself. And I love making that for other, making other people have that moment too. Awesome. Any other questions, Ash? I don't think so. What about for you? I think we're good. Anything else that you want to share, Marilyn? No, not really. No. I mean, this was an awesome conversation and um, I don't want it to go on too long either because I know people can zone out after a while. So (laughs) I feel like we we left off at a good point. So yeah, nothing else. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with us. And if listeners want to find more, like find out more about you and your coaching, where can they find you? So on Instagram, that's where I'm probably most active. It's marilynk.fit, so dot like the period. Um, you can find me there. You, I do have a Facebook group that you can get added to. It's, added to. it's a uh, private group, so you need to um, friend request me on Facebook. You can just find me, Marilyn Kowalski. I also have a Facebook page, Marilyn Kowalski uh, CPT. Um, I'm on TikTok, not as active on there. <laughs> Marilyn K. Fit on there. But um, you can also email me at um, info at thestrongerbodyproject.com if you have any questions or want to reach me more directly. Perfect. Love it. Awesome. Oh, well, and my website, yeah. thestrongerbodyproject.com is my I website. I almost asked you that and then I thought, um, she didn't bring it up. Maybe she doesn't have the website. And then I'm glad you brought yeah. that up though. Yeah. Absolutely. Pretty easy to remember. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Ashley already said thanks, but I just wanted to thank you as well, Marilyn. And, uh, Hopefully we'll have you on the uh, the podcast again in the near future and we can jam on something else. Maybe not bodybuilding, but we'll pick another another topic. Absolutely. Relationships. Yes, I <laughs> love it. I like we'll we might need to get a mediator for that. We can have Connor on too if he'll do it. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, he would love to do that. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. We should do it. 
for sure. That's okay. Perfect. I'll text you after this. <laughs> hey, awesome. Sounds good. Love it. All right, guys, that's it for the episode today. Uh, Ash, any last words before we sign off? I don't think so. Awesome. Well, until next time, guys, we hope you have a great week. Bye, y'all. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, we cannot thank you enough. It is because of you that we're able to show up and do this week in and week out. So if you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple, leave us a five-star review, leave a comment in there as well. That way we can continue to reach more people and change more lives through this platform. If you don't already follow us across all of our other channels on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, make sure you get on there, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button so you can stay tuned in to everything that we are running down the pipeline as it relates to health, fitness, nutrition, mindset, because we want to help you move the needle on your individual health, fitness, and nutrition journeys. Until next week, take care.